DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. We're going to be talking Celtics. The guy who covers the Celtics, John Corrales, and he's a host of Locked On Celtics, Locked On the NBA. We're going to talk with him coming up at uh, 8.30. Right now, a few moments on football. Spring football is here. What do you know about the Utes? that you didn't know 24 or 48 hours ago? <laughs> they have so many questions to be answered. I can tell you that the coaching staff, and speaking with several of them, they are so excited because they have to really coach. Morgan Scally told me, he said, if you don't love coaching now, you're never going to love it because they just have so many new players. And players coming in who are not there right now have legitimate chances to be in the two deep and maybe even higher so they've got their work cut out for them, and uh, it's it, they got talent, but it's all green, it's all inexperienced. And yeah. how do the pieces fit together? It's hard to hard to project. I mean, last year at this time, you know, they were the overwhelming favorites, and they fulfilled their destiny that stumbled at the end. But as far as the season went, they certainly did what they were supposed to do, and they met the expectation. There's just no question about that. Now they got so many openings it's it's they may never have this many openings collectively again 10 years 15 years who knows depending on how old you are you may never have them at all because you may be out of the profession by then you know kyle he'll, he'll never have this many openings because you know he turned 61 in, in november and so he's got you know a few years to go by his own acknowledgement, you, so he's probably not going to have it. You can just read the magazines or the people who put the stuff online, and they talk about how many starters are coming back, and it's really odd when you only have two starters on one side of the ball. I guess the Aggies had it a year ago, so it's not that it never happens. It just doesn't happen very often. And they have critical components on the offense. Now, one thing I will say is a couple things I wanted to say is Britton Covey looks sensational. And I, I, everyone loves the kid. Explosive, change in direction. Absolutely. They ran some um, base, uh, what, uh, fly sweeps, I guess they call it. And uh, to see him, now there's no tackling, right? So you just kind of get in the area mm-hmm. and maybe tap him. But his ability to run full speed and cut and change and be swift, shifty and swift and move this way, that way, and try to get a clean shot on him, uh, really, he looked, he looked beautiful. And everybody... Even Cougars love the kid because he's a phenomenal kid. He's smaller, so you always root for the smaller person, right? Yeah, all the time, thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. And he's so dynamic uh, that uh, if he can be healthy, he's he's a major addition. Plus, you know, he's, as I say, he's just the top of the line kid. Whatever you want out of a human being, this kid's got it. Um, and then I was thinking about this: they're going to face an interesting quarterback dilemma because I don't know this year that they have enough talent mature talent all that stuff together to win the division so as far as the quarterback goes you got this Bentley kid coming in for one season right and mm-hmm. and he can help you win but they're probably not going to win the division this year so invest so, in the younger guy so do you go with rising who He's going to be what a junior? He's not going to be a sophomore, right? Because he had last year was last year was his redshirt freshman year, so he would be a sophomore now. Because he right. sat out the one year, he sat out two years, so in a sense he wasted a season. But you know, if you get three years out of a starter, that's plenty good for quarterback. So 
next year, if he had all this experience this year, obviously next year, going into his junior year, he would be that much better. So if you're going to go, I, I, I was talking to some guys, some media folk, you know, we're just shooting the breeze there, watching them practice. And, and one guy saying, I think it's going to be hard for them to get to seven wins. And I'm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on what you think of the Pac 12 South and how good the bottom of the division well, and, is. Well, and the North. I mean, yeah, Washington. Washington's going to be new. Uh, Washington State's a wild card. They had a, a first year starter as quarterback who's out, and now they got a new coach. So, you know, you don't know. So these games are, are winnable. And yeah, and then you look at they, sh- they should get three. In the non-conference. Wins. And three in the bottom of the Pac-12 South is six. I, I think this, if BYU's going to get them, it's got to be now. Agreed. Right. So at worst, they're going to go two and one there. <clears throat> and then the uh, three, Arizona, Colorado, Colorado, UC Los Angeles, you should go three and all. So out of man. those six games, you got to go five and one. Somebody might get you. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't think chance. Arizona or Colorado does. Give BYU uh, the best chance and UCLA the second best chance. Probably, yes. Okay. I mean, it's a long right, way to go. All right, but you're 5-1. Yeah. and, one. Yeah. and You don't think you go 2-4 and four in the other six? I do. Yeah. I do. But other people are saying no. Yeah, I, and I, I actually looked at, to me, high end is 8-4. and four. And if you went 8-4 and four after sending nine guys to the combine yeah. and you go 8-4 and four the next year, I think that's outstanding myself. I that would be awesome. You win eleven games, send all these guys to the NFL, and then you win eight ball games the next year. I think that's a mark of a really strong football program. Uh, but you know, it's debatable. Who knows what's going to happen? We'll see. So they ha- they're going to have a dilemma though, because this Bentley kid is going to have to be clearly, clearly better than. Rising. Yeah. I, can't we just look at Kyle's track record? You think he's going to think anything different than he thought three years ago? Yes. Because it's very similar. Yes, I do think he's going to be thinking because he's a short timer now. He wants to win as many ball games as he can now. But if he, let's say if he's 61 now, right? He'll be 61 in November. Okay. So he's 60 now. Mm-hmm. And let's say if mentally he's, you know, he's, he's hinted he's got the plan. Oh, he yeah. said it in an interview. I think he'll with Chris be there the two following years. Okay. So let's say he's got three years left. That works out well with rising. It's like, yeah, he wants to win as many games as he can, but I think Kyle's won a lot of games. I think he wants to win big and do something he hasn't done before. I think he wants a trip to Pasadena yeah. so bad he can taste it. And so what gets you. Is there something you can do to make that happen? Because if there isn't, then you're right. Just win as many games as you can. But he three years ago, he could have started the senior and won as many games as possible, or he could go with the sophomore and bet it was going to pay off with a big season down the line. And he took a lot of heat. We had Troy Williams, uh, was it his high school coach high school or his coach, JC coach? His high school, high school coach on. Basically threatening to undermine and recruiting the Southern California on the air. He was furious. Troy didn't do anything wrong to deserve that. It was bad timing. There was a promising sophomore. And since they were 11-1 and going to the Pac-12 title game, and they lost their last two, obviously. Yeah, but I think things have changed. And you, you, how do you look? And we we've talked to administrators. How do you look a senior in the eye and his parents in the eye and say, "Well, son, we're going to pack it in this year." I, mean, I, I don't know. I'll go up and uh, ask Kyle next time he's available because he's done it. Sorry, yeah, Troy, but, but we're th- going with a, I, with I a guy. I don't think he did that 
with exclusively two years in a row. I, I, looking two years down the line, I mean, I, I would disagree with that theory. I think that he thought that this kid gives him the best chance to win now. I don't think he was looking at, wow, we're really going to be good in two years. I think he made that decision. He signed off. It was Troy Taylor who made the decision, and Kyle signed off on it, thinking that Troy convinced him that this kid gives us the best chance to win now. Because Troy wanted the running quarterback. He did. He wanted a more mobile, not that uh, the, the, Williams was that immobile. And that's another thing, too. But he was a mobile is, pocket is, passer, is, not a running quarterback. Correct. No doubt about it. And, no, I— just watching Bentley, he doesn't look like he's going to be running around like anything close to what Huntley even did last year because Huntley curtailed it, and, and, and Ludwig was, guarantee, was guaranteeing us this time last year that Huntley would not run as much as he had been, and Andy called his shot ahead of time, and that's exactly, exactly how what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But Huntley, uh, Bentley does not look very mobile relative to what they've had the last three years by any stretch. So what do you do there? And uh, Huntley managed to get himself out of some trouble with his legs. So how does that work? They don't really have – they have three quarterbacks right now that were taking snaps. Lisk is in, is in the mix. And, you know, I wouldn't discard Lisk completely because for no other reason that he's been in the program for years. And just by showing up every day, you should have some level of ability or else they wouldn't have scholarshiped you or kept you around. So he's in the mix. I don't think he's going to start, but he's in the mix. Uh, and he's getting reps, but the, it's going to be an interesting situation. It's they've they've got so many stories. Last year they had no storylines. This yes, year so many. they got a hundred of them. How how interesting is the secondary, and how good do they think it's going to be? Because they've had it's ranged from a good secondary to very good to great. They've not had average or mediocre since I don't even know when. Well, that's so, but this is this is brand new. Yeah, there it is. You can't even tell now because they've got kids coming in. Who aren't there yet. Yeah. So it it's impossible to look at that because they've got guys out there right now in the two deep who may not even see the field because they've got kids coming in. Now they've got some kids that will play. Davis will play. Uh, what's the, the Phillips kid, the freshman kid? He'll Phillips play. The third? Yeah. They'll pl- those two guys will play. They'll be in the rotation. I can almost guarantee you that. But these other guys and, and the new fellows that they got coming in that I've literally never seen, and I'd have to get a roster to go down and look at them. I don't pay attention to recruiting that much. But when I talk to Morgan and he's saying, well, we got this guy, this guy, this guy, they're coming in and they're going to get an opportunity I don't think it bodes well for high-level winning. I don't give them a pass for next season, but I do give them a break. And if they have some losses, I'm fine with it. They should still have a winning record. They should still go to the bowl game. They've got a solid program. They'll have a solid program at least until Kyle steps down and then whoever whatever happens then remains to be seen. But they'll be competitive. I don't think they'll they'll roll over by any stretch. So they may lose some ball games. But if I'm a Ute fan, okay, I'm I'm probably not as I'm excited about every season because it's fun to do it and go and, and tailgate and hang out with your family and friends. Yeah, that alone, last year there were high yeah, expectations yeah. and a lot of pressure and this year there's a lot of wild cards. Yeah. You just but, don't but, know. but that's that to me is also fun. To see that develop, to see to see something develop, and then next year, the year after, to see it come to pass, you know, I think that 
most programs in the conference, that's the formula to do it. Be good, be very good, be great. That's what we had to an extent with the Utes. They, were, you know, they had some moments a couple, three years ago where we weren't so good, a couple moments that were pretty good. Then the following year was pretty good. And then last year was sensational. Now you just start the process over. It's just a question of as you build your program, when you start that process over, how low are you going? I don't think they're going extremely low. I don't think they're starting from scratch by any stretch. So that's why they'll be competitive. They may lose some ball games, and they will, but they'll be competitive. So if I'm a Ute fan, I may not have the ultimate highest expectations as I had last year, but I got pretty good expectations to see some pretty good football and watch it develop. Because when Kyle tells me, well, this is our strongest class we've brought in, I don't care if they have zero stars. I'm listening to what he's saying because he has a track record of finding guys in development them no one can argue i just saw something who put it out there uh some we don't do list radio but every station every show in the world does, <laughs> does list, list radio, radio. <laughs> and somebody put it out there yesterday you can find it on twitter that it lists the the top coaches in the conference where they stand ranked nationally and kyle was like in the top 10 he was number one in the conference i've got no problem with that the way the conference is aligned now because every couple of years they're changing over dramatically and guys that haven't been there I have no idea how they're going to do. Very little seniority in the league. No. Very little. No, not at all. Shaw at Stanford has had a good run. And it's slipped a little bit right now. So if you're looking at right now, you're going to put Kyle ahead of him because his program has trended down a little bit. And the number of coaches who are three years or less where you can't even say, hey, they've been there long enough to have their – has Helton been there long enough to say he's got the whole roster is now his guys? No. Because is he third in seniority you're be, in the league you're right now? Be judged upon am, that. Am I missing somebody? Is Helton third in the league? In uh, I, would, I would go Wilcox. How long has he been there? Uh, I'd be close. I have to look he, that up. Yeah, uh, I'd have to see on that. There's only one coach I that say, I want. Has Wilcox ahead. had three years? Because I thought he'd only had two. Maybe he has had three. Yeah, but two can get you high up on Hel- the list. Helton's <laughs> had three. Yeah, I think Helton's had three years there. Yeah, Wilcox, you know, if they if they stop running their quarterback, if they do what the Utes did last year and keep their quarterback healthy, there are people out there already picking them to win the North. Uh, it's conceivable this year because there's keep some question marks with uh, uh, Washington and Washington State coaching changes and Oregon losing their their quarterback right. there. Uh, there's only one coach that I wish would be a lifetime contract, and that's Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> <laughs> Are we circling the wagons? <laughs> nope, just the W. <laughs> he, he's the only guy that I want to see stay. Keep doing what you're doing there, yeah. big guy. Bring it in on three. <laughs> we suck. <laughs> uh, last thing about the Utah quarterbacks, and I'll probably end up repeating this several times. As, as much fun as it is to watch this battle play out, when we're sitting here next December, are we going to say, yeah, one guy started five, six, or seven games, and the other guy started five, six, or seven games because of injuries? Are they going to keep another quarterback healthy all year? We know the odds there, and they did it last year. Or injuries are maybe changing for uh, ineffectiveness. I think there's a combination. Well, I guess there's a possibility. My there, guess too. would be yes, so that we would see both of these kids. Both these guys start get at least games. Four, both these guys get at least three or four starts, and maybe end up splitting it down the middle. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Depends, of course, on the timing of the injury to split it right down the middle. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. John Corrales covers the Boston Celtics. Mass Live News. He's host of Locked On Celtics. David Locke's uh, series of podcasts, Locked On the NBA. We're going to talk. Jazz and Celtics with him next. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Jazz are in Boston tonight. Play the Celtics, 6 o'clock, AT&T Sportsnet. The Zone's coverage will begin at 5 with Jazz. Game night, the pregame show. Celtics have already announced that Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown will not play tonight. Jazz go back-to-back in Detroit tomorrow night. College basketball tonight, Utah State faces 11-seeded Wyoming in the Mountain West Conference Tournament semifinals at 9.30. Aggies were down by 11 to New Mexico with nine and a half minutes to go, but they rallied to win 75-70, and now they get 11-seeded Wyoming. Scotty G will have the pregame show at 9, the call at 9.30. You can watch the game on the CBS Sports Network. Utah and Colorado tomorrow at the Huntsman Center, 12.30 on the Pac-12 Network. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing to get your winter furnace tune-up and check and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333. 801-833-3333 or go to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Zane Brugler from The Athletic breaking down the NFL draft. There's a lot of buzz right now concerning Jordan Love. What did you see out of him in the combine? And when you project a little bit, where do you think he might end up? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And that's never more true than we talk about these quarterbacks in the draft. Which team is going to like Jordan Love over the others? And that's something that I'm not sure we know yet, but there's plenty of buzz uh, for Jordan Love. A lot of teams are saying, okay, well, once we get our hands on him, once we coach him up, they're really excited about where he could be. So I think after the combine that he had and that's after the senior bowl, I mean, I think he cemented himself as a first-round prospect. He could be in the top 10 mix. Uh, maybe he goes just outside the top 10. The momentum that he has is definitely on the rise and something that's going to help him throughout. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by John Corrales. Covers the Boston Celtics, Mass Live News. He's host of Locked On Celtics, part of the Locked On NBA Network. John, good morning. Good morning to you guys. How you doing? Good. So, how confident is Boston in their Celtics right now? Uh, pretty confident. Uh, I-, I think... The uh, I think Celtics fans see this team as a, kind of like a best-case scenario, uh, what we expected coming in versus uh, you know what, what the actual results are. It's uh, kind of a shame that this team hasn't been fully healthy, so we haven't been able to see their full powers. But um, this is a team that's kind of outperformed their expectations. Jason Tatum's taken a leap. Jalen Brown's taken a leap. Um, not quite to Tatum's uh, level, but still a leap. Uh, Kemba Walker has filled in nicely. Gordon Hayward has come back and, and is healthy. So uh, things are going pretty good for the Celtics. You talk about how they're outperforming expectations. Then what were expectations? Well, um, I, I think most people expected them to be kind of like a third, fourth seed. Like this, this was supposed to be, uh, for lack of a better term, a gap year, where you know there there was Gordon Hayward. Um, was an unknown. Uh, Al Horford left. Kyrie Irving left. We weren't sure exactly how Kemble was going to fit. So I think the uh, a fourth seed somewhere around like 47 wins or so was going to be kind of like like if it was exactly like it went last year. I think fans would have been like, okay, this is this is about what we expected. Um, but. Uh, Guys have coalesced. This team is, is already at 42 wins. And uh, things like the center position have worked out great. Like Daniel Tice was, was better than expected. And what was supposed to be a weakness didn't turn out to be a weakness. It's, it's still not 
great, but it's it's not the weakness that people expected. So, um, yeah, I think I think this team is is outperformed. Uh, kind of like I think maybe maybe people thought if they were more like what the Philadelphia 76ers are, like that that might have been a little bit more where where Celtics fans would have kind of expected the, the Boston to be. So we're a long way away, and we pay more attention to the Western Conference than we do to the East. We have that Western bias you've heard so much about. <laughs> but even from a distance, and we do fall a little bit because obviously Gordon Hayward was here, right? We sure. looked at Kyrie Irving leaving and thinking, the Celtics, it's going to be addition by subtraction. They're going to be better without him. He is so ball dominant. He's got a mercurial personality. He definitely has his highs, and they're the positives, but there are just so many crazy negatives and distractions. Do you feel like it has been addition by subtraction? Were we right about that? Yeah, I think you were. Um, I, I would argue, and I have argued, that Jason Tatum doesn't take this leap with Kyrie Irving here because Kyrie Irving is so ball dominant. Forget about locker room stuff and, and personality and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about on the court, the, um, the ball dominant, uh, I'm going to go and search out my offense. And then once my offensive uh, options are exhausted, then you can go do your thing. Whereas Kemba Walker has come in and not only addition by subtraction, but Kemba Walker is addition by addition because he is very willing to kind of take a step back but also step up when needed. Like, let the offense kind of work through other guys through the first three quarters, and if, if things aren't quite going well, he'll, he'll be happy to come in in the fourth quarter and drill three straight threes and kind of get some distance for, for the Celtics and turn a three-point game into a 12-point game. Uh, he came into Boston very – openly willing to watch his usage rate drop, asking for his usage rate to drop, uh, openly encouraging Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to become stars, do what you got to do, saying uh, word for word, this is their team. So it's not just that Kyrie Irving left and these guys have this room to work. It's that Kyrie Irving left and, and you have uh, in, in Kemba and in Gordon Hayward – Guys that are willing to say, okay, we're going to make the right play. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to kind of get out of your way and, and get our stuff through the, the flow of the offense and take over when needed with Kemba. But that's how Tatum has become this guy. That's how he's become uh, you know, a guy that's, frankly, I think in the conversation for a, a, a third-team All-NBA spot. So is it established that this is J- uh, Jason Tatum's team? Well... I don't know if we want to say it that way. I don't think the Celtics would say it that way, but I think he's become the number one scorer. And if you if if that's how you want to look at it, then then sure, we've seen that the Celtics kind of gravitate towards him as their primary scorer. Now, granted, Kemba's been hurt, so it, it, they've kind of had to lean on him. So we haven't seen the full complement of these guys since Kemba's return. He, he's back from uh, knee soreness. Uh, missed five games after the All-Star break. And in those five games, they've had to rely on uh, Tatum. Uh, they, they really forced it to him in that Lakers loss in Los Angeles. And, and they're really trying to kind of figure out how to work off of him. And he's been doing well passing out of double teams, but we still haven't seen, like, the Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Gordon starting lineup 
together to see exactly how that whole thing's going to work. But I think the Celtics do trust Jason Tatum to, to be the guy to, to cook individually now, and, and he's kind of developed uh, a bag of offensive moves that uh, he can go to that can get him uh, close to or more than 30 points a game. The way he's been going recently has been, has been insane, but he, he's kind of developed this offensive game where he can, he can drive or step back and, and do a lot of different things to get himself going. So the Celtics do trust him to, to be their primary scorer for sure. So Celtic fans may like a season where the team's third, battling for second. Maybe they can get to a conference final. Maybe everything lines up and they actually get to an NBA final. That would be a heck of an accomplishment. But it seems like it's still a little ways away, and they're going to be expected to take that step. I think it comes down to what are they going to do I think this is what everyone has to decide. What are you going to do at the center spot? Do you want a traditional defensive-minded center because layups and dunks are so important you need to take them away? Does every center have to shoot three-pointers now? Do you just have to shoot out to 18 feet? What does the perfect Celtic center of the future look like? And is he, does he just look like a three- or four-man like Houston's going with? Yeah, I, I think the Celtics are probably skewing more towards the Houston model rather than the Utah model. Um, and it's not to say that one is better than the other, because obviously Rudy Gobert is an elite center, and he has tremendous impact on both ends of the floor. I don't know that that's how the Celtics are going to go. Uh, and, and unless they find somebody like that in a draft, uh, there's, there's just nobody like that out there. So you, they have Daniel Tice, and, and he's been working out very well, and they have him under contract for next year if they want him. They've got Robert Williams who is more kind of like a, a Clint Capella comp than, than anything. And those are going to be their two guys. They, they, they've kept Vincent Poirier under contract. Um, I don't know what he's going to be, but their big guys are going to have to be mobile. And Brad Stevens has shown that he wants mobile big guys. I don't know if they necessarily have to hit the three, but they have Tice who can hit the three. And I think they're happy to go with a situational big, whether it's Tice if they need the floor spacing or Robert Williams if they need kind of like that rim protection. He can certainly block shots. He's an elite athlete. Um, I think they're happy to go with a situational big. And I think that's kind of where the NBA is moving, where you know you hear the concept out there that the center is kind of like a mercenary position. The days of paying a center – 20 30 million dollars i mean unless that guy is elite on both ends then there's there's no reason to pay your center big money you're better off doing what the celtics do and i think this is what the celtics think paying your big money to the wings so you can have a switchable defense and get your rim protection by switching everything on the perimeter and really not even letting those guys get to the rim and not getting them those those straight line drives where you need a guy like gobert back there to block shots. I think they're going to, like you said, that Houston model where you're kind of preventing those drives and you're forcing guys to kind of veer away from the basket. And if there's anybody that gets to the rim, then you can find a way to either step in and take a charge or make that shot difficult and just defend the rim that way. You talk about allowing the young guys to be stars. I'm wondering if there's a little imbalance there in terms of how can it happen when Tatum has established himself as a budding star. No one would disagree with that. Hayward was an all-star when he was here, and then he got injured, and he's still you know, in the process coming back, making $32 million a year. And then you got Jalen Brown. 
So how do you have three guys basically at the same position be stars? Well, uh, I think what you have here is kind of, I don't think Gordon Hayward is, is at that star level. Like he can be, but he's, he's taking a, a step backwards. And it's going to be interesting to see what Gordon does with his contract next year. Uh, I think the Celtics would love it if he opted out and, and re-signed long-term at shorter money. That might be more kind of uh, indicative of what his role is with the Celtics. Uh, he can certainly go be a star player. I mean, he's, he can be a 20-point-a-game guy. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think he can do that. He can. Um, but what does he want to do and, and what role does he want to play? Uh, I think he's kind of happy being the guy that can be a star uh, on occasion and then spend a game making the right play and passing the ball and setting picks and, and doing other things and, and you know assisting guys rather than scoring. But also, the way the Celtics are, are kind of set up, you can have four guys average 20 points a game and three of them be at the same position because really there there's the way the Celtics look at it is point guard uh center and wings so you've got your ball handler you've got your big and you've got three wings and it doesn't matter that they're all in fact it's probably better for them that they're all kind of the same because that that makes that switching defense a lot easier to play so i think the notion that they all play the same position is at the same time accurate but antiquated, if that makes sense, because you can say, well, they're all small forwards. Who's your power forward? Who's your shooting guard? But the Celtics look at it as they're three wings, and it doesn't matter because you don't guard one person anymore on defense. You're switching. You're playing zone. You're, you're, you're matching up. You're, you know, you're in cross matches half the time. So uh, saying that one guy needs to be a power forward versus a, you know, a shooting guard it doesn't really matter. Jalen Brown is stronger, so he'll he'll take some of the stronger guys. Um, Hayward's also pretty strong, but but you know he'll he'll guard mostly uh, those guys. And, and Tatum can has that quickness and length that he can stay in front of smaller guys. So it, the way these these guys are built kind of works for the Celtics. John Corrales joining us, covers the Boston Celtics, uh, Mass Live News, host of Locked On Celtics, Locked On NBA. Uh, let's take a look at tonight's game. Now, the Celtics have already announced no Gordon Hayward, and Jalen yeah. Brown's not going to go. What do the Celtics have to do to beat the Jazz? Well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, they're they're going to have to figure out a way to to neutralize, like they did in Utah, one of one of the uh, other big scorers. I mean, in that last game, the the Celtics were able to hold Bogdanovich to three points and uh, Ingles to two points. I mean, if they can find a way to get keep one of those guys uh, from scoring uh, like they're supposed to score, like they're used to scoring, uh, th- that'll be a huge help. But uh, it, it's going to come down to their defense. They can't let Donovan Mitchell go off for 37 points again. They're going to have to find a way to make those, those, uh, take those drives away, make the shots that they do get a little, um, a little bit more difficult. Um, and really, without those two guys, Brown and, and Hayward, that, that takes away a lot of the, the rebounding. The Celtics are good with rebounding from the wings and holding guys off so guys like Tatum can can score. One problem the Celtics have had over the past few games is giving up offensive rebounds. I have a, a fear 
for Boston that Rudy Gobert is going to get a ton of putbacks, and he's going to be doing chin-ups on the rim with putback dunks. And uh, if the Celtics can't keep Utah off the offensive boards, then they're going to have a, a real tough night. There it is. John Corrales with his call on tonight's game. John, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. You got it. My pleasure. All right. You can check out his podcast, Locked on Celtics, for big into Boston. Chin-ups on the rim, PK. We winning. <laughs> and you're not even wearing the purple hoodie. I think that the— Are you saving that for Monday? Toronto, big game. Home yeah, game. I won't be here, though. I mean, I'll be in Vegas. As long as you wear it wherever you are. That's the important thing. Oh, yes, yeah, I'll be doing it from a hotel room. I could wear it, and then that's it. It'll be by it's all it takes, the I'll power of the yeah. power of the hoodie. Just three hours, you're good to go. Just for that image in everybody's head, didn't you? Because <laughs> so nobody will be there, and I'll just put the door lock thing so housekeeping can't get in, and we're good to go because I'll be down there for BYU. I, I think he talks about the Celtics overachieving. I think they're achieving about as high as they can achieve. They have roster imbalance. And you're paying Walker and Hayward $64 million. Neither of those guys have ever come close to sniffing a conference final. And your star player has to be given time to figure it out. Yeah. He's 22. He doesn't have playoff experience. He needs to get some. And he's going to get his. So what are you going to do there? He I made bet- it sound like they hope Hayward opts out and they can sign well, him long term. Does he want to stay in Boston or does he want to go somewhere else? Because they're not bringing him back at anywhere near $34 million. That's not happening. His deal's up right when Tatum has to get paid. So it's easy to figure out how that's going to work. Tatum's going to get big money. He won't be in the league long enough to get $34 million, I don't think. But he'll still get big money. So he'll, At some point he'll be in the league, but you mean at that point? It, for this contract. Yeah. He can't get thirty four in this. Yeah. He's not going to be getting $34 million in the 22 season. That's why the best, one of the best things to happen to the Jazz is to not pay Hayward that kind of money. Because basically that man from Locked On is saying, yeah, he's very content making his money and passing the ball and not having to take the pressure of being the man. So if it doesn't go well, then I don't take the heat. Then, Because I run when that, I take the heat. That role probably gets you about $15 million. And maybe somebody will overpay him for yeah, 20 Yeah, but he wants, the, he wants all the glory, but he doesn't want the consequence that can, comes if you don't he succeed. Can, he can have that for another year and a half, but then when his deal is up, if that's the way he's going to play, he's probably worth about 15 and somebody might overpay. You know, a desperate team won't say, because Boston's trying to build a championship team. You can't do it. You need that money to go with somebody else. But somebody who's in the middle of the league or at the bottom of the league who just wants to move up a couple notches might offer to overpay him. Right. So he's got to go. That seems like where it's trending. Unless he will take the $15 million for four years. He's 29 right now. I can see the Celtics saying, okay, we know who you are, and we know you fit in, and we know what you do. Here, here's $15 million a year, yes. So be a role player, and you were a guys, star in Utah, and go be a role player for the next eight years in Boston? Yep. What a come down. That's the way it is. I mean, he's outrageously paid. All right! And Charlie, Bernie, and Sophie, and Danny. Gonna and, inherit gazillions. They'll, they'll never have yeah. to work a day in their life. Did you see kid number four is on its way? Oh, is it? Robin announced it on Twitter, uh, Facebook or something like that the other day. Old Robin's pumping him out, huh? Is Daddy going to be happy once again? Dad, well, geez, you're making $32 million a year. You ought to be happy you're playing basketball. Just that famous gender reveal in his. Oh, uh, where he didn't look because it was another. He's got three girls. He's got three girls, yeah. I love watching those girls grow up. No, you don't. <laughs> 
You enjoy mocking him sarcastically. <laughs> it makes you popular. Hey, watch me on Two News talking I don't sports. Give a crap about Sunday night at eleven. Apparently, you do. You, uh, no, you're, playing, you're playing the cards pretty I hard did, right now. I did. That just so happens to be. And apparently, if you think I'm worried about being popular. Because Hayward isn't liked here. If Hayward was beloved, I was criticizing Robin and Charlie and Bernie when they were here. And he was all that. I don't want to know about your kids. Your kids are no more special than anybody else's kids to their parents. Hoop it up and entertain me. <laughs> That's, that's why, why you're I there. Care. Yeah. That's but why I mean, I care. she's not. It's, it's fine with it because she, she's not. Well, she puts herself in the spotlight. That beautiful bathing suit she had when they went to Turks and. Was it Turks and Caicos mm-hmm. over uh, the All Star break? Mm. Just good for her. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Joining us right now, Spencer Nelson. So the BYU Cougars, they've been able to really break through to not just be an NCAA tournament team, but I think they're a team that's very capable of making a run. If you were to see anything that gives you pause when it comes to tournament time, what would it be? Honestly, there's not a lot of holes in their game and their team. I'm with you. I think this team is built to make a run in the tournament. They have enough firepower to be able to compete with anyone in the country. I truly believe that but I really do expect this team to be able to make the sweet 16 and then at that point it's just matchups Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network DJ and PK it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone you just listen to John Corrales Celtics covers them he thinks that uh, rebounding is going to be the key and Rudy Gobert is going to dominate. Hey, there you go. no rebounding, no championships. I've seen more pushing in the men's room. No rebounds, no rings. It's an old Pat Rileyism right there. And when he was uh, doing the color commentating before Magic said, you can be the coach and we'll win titles. <laughs> Jim Healy used to play a drop back in uh, Los Angeles. I see more pushing in the men's room. <laughs> and it was Fat Riley <laughs> talking about getting physical and being tough underneath and all that stuff. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I, I think it comes down to making shots. Like if Bogey and Ingles combined for five points and freaking Marcus Smart made three threes in a row. And there you go. Yeah. Done and done. Yeah, I mean that. How much is how many times? That's why I feel pretty good about this game because how much is that going to happen? Really, when you think about it, that those two are going to combine for five points, and Smart's going to make three threes in a row. That's not his game. He's not in the NBA now, in all these years being a three-point shooter. And the other two are known as shooters, and they didn't put the ball in the basket. Well, if the Jazz get it, it would be another split with one of the better teams in the East. They split with the Bucks and the Heat and the Sixers and the Pacers. Well, this would be going, the first time they'd win on the road against one of those yeah, teams. Yeah, I'm guaranteeing you they're going to win. Why? Because I'm trying to be popular. <laughs> <laughs> Turning over a new leaf, huh? Yeah. Look at me. I'm trying to be popular. I just I can't pick BYU Utah. I just don't know who's going to win. <laughs> Suck. Popular. <laughs> Got an hour of this to look forward to, Yuck. Well, when you <laughs> make false accusations, what do you expect me to do? 
All right, DJ PK, we are late to break. We went on too long with John, but he had good stuff on the Celtics, and it's available online, as is the entire show. You can get it at 1280thezone.com, anytime, your convenience, or wherever you get podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Who did I leave out? Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. On down the line. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.